0: hey this is kate welcome to two pastors take a walk and make a podcast
1: this is yolando and as always we're talking about what is astonishing us what we're thinking about and what we're preaching so what's astonishing you I'm astonished, not in a good way, by my complaining. I had a horrible day last week. And so so I'm doing the thing that you and I and other preachers do every week. And, you know, faithfully studying a text, get ready to preach. And so I'm studying... Philippians 4, whatever is lovely, wonderful, if there's anything excellent.
0: Worthy of praise, think on these things. Yes.
1: So I'm studying that text to Mm -hmm. preach. And I have a morning, I get up complaining. Mm
0: -hmm. I complain
1: my family doesn't move fast enough. And why am I the one that makes breakfast every morning? And um, why is the line so long? dropping my kid off at school and why is there so much traffic on the way to church and why is there this road construction once I get to church and why is my to-do list so I mean I'm just complaining so I'm at my desk and there's just this moment where it's like the Holy Spirit held up a mirror and showed me myself and I was like what am I doing I'm working on a sermon about the inner life and um, you know, I'm 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 actually recalling the story of Moses sending the twelve spies into the Promised Land and yeah. how the ten spies came back with a negative report. Mm-hmm. I'm working on this, and the Holy Spirit said, "Well, let me show you you today." Yeah. And so, and I and I confessed that last week in the sermon, and I am determined to do better. And and normally I'm I i do not complain as much, but I think this was just a, a Holy Spirit. Um, work to say, hey, you're you're also preaching to yourself this week because you're not yeah. doing as well as you think you're doing yeah. in this area.
0: Well, and I think it's one of those um, traps that we fall into all the time that because you know something, you think you're doing it. You Absolutely. know, you think that knowing it is doing it. Mm-hmm. And I think that whatever we, you know, we when we're paying attention to it, we can be reasonably faithful by the grace of God. But when we get distracted or full of other things, then all of a sudden it's not on the forefront of our mind and it's certainly not common in the culture, Mm -hmm. right? Or, or, you know, so it just, it's not natural. And so if we're not constantly renewing our minds, then it just becomes, you know, something that you, oh, I knew that once or, oh, I Mm -hmm. agree with that, Mm -hmm. but I don't make any attempt to live it so I mean I have no idea what you're talking about I've absolutely never ever had the experience of like yelling at my children and then sitting down to write a sermon on like showing grace and forgiveness right I mean but I do think what's relevant about that is you know as people I mean there's lots relevant about that but I think this isn't a preacher problem this is like a disciple human problem Mm -hmm. and part of walking on this way is sort of signing up for these moments of revelation and repentance and just yes. recognizing that we're never yes. going to grow past them yeah. um and you know this isn't a um th- this isn't a feel good like self congratulatory path this is a path of continually returning to our own need, need mm-hmm. or calvin would say depravity mm-hmm. or the 12 step program would say powerlessness mm-hmm. right and not even being angry about it not being like really destroyed or devastated about it, but just being like, oh this is me. Whoops. Yeah. I yeah. forgot for a minute. Well,
1: and to realize that repentance is not only something we do at the beginning of the Christian That's life. What we do all the it way through. It is part of the Christian life mm-hmm. constantly. We're constantly mm-hmm. repenting. And so now I'm trying to work into my day. You know, you know what? I I get to spend time with my child in the morning, have Mm -hmm. breakfast. Other dads have to rush off to work. Mm -hmm. I get to spend time with my kid. I get to walk my child into school every day.
0: Okay, well then, sit on this. Uh Uh-oh. I mean, I just think it's interesting that the framework, and I would frame it the same way. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm astonished, but not in a good way. Mm. But, I mean, I think we should learn to be astonished in a good way. To say, Mm. like, you know, I'm so grateful that... Um, we have this revelation, we have this text, we have this community, we have this ministry and I don't mean because we're pastors, I mean because we're followers of Jesus where we get these constant reminders and the ability to turn around and recover ourselves in Christ, right yeah, So that when this good. happens we don't we don't like oh, I'm a jerk or oh, I want to mm-hmm. kick myself mm-hmm. or I'm ashamed to just be able to say, oh, oh thank you. like thank you for yes. pulling me out of the abyss and you know we're not surprised and we're not offended. We just are like, Oh, thanks. Once again,
1: this is the life. This This, is, well, this this is is, the path of growth,
0: right? And this is your rod and staff comforting me, right? That when I stray off the path, Mm -hmm. you pull me back and I'm not mad because I know that that's your role. And I Mm -hmm. know that this is my nature. And so I'm not even ashamed of myself. I mean, why should you be mad to discover once again, how deep your need Mm. for Jesus is? I mean, I understand why, because me too. Right? Sure, sure. But um, anyway, that's... So that's
1: what is astonishing you?
0: Um, well, this has been a really... This past week has been a really um, holy mm. week in the sense that um, I had an opportunity, a real... Just one of those weeks where you just recognize how gifted... What a gift it is to be a pastor. Um, mm. Because people invite you in to these incredibly sacred moments in their lives that are that are it's really just so incredibly humbling and um sometimes i mean so the first was um a a member a family in our community who i you know really care a lot about i mean i care about all the families in our community but i they've been on my heart a lot and um a, a young member in our community died on Friday and um, I was invited by the family to be with them um, at that moment when he died and was, you know, just called to you know, be standing with them and we were encircling his bed and praying mm-hmm. and it was obviously like a devastatingly painful moment. And also just this incredibly, I mean, that's like, I think that thing about holiness is that Mm. when when our understanding of holiness is shaped by the culture, then it's all like angels with rainbow wings and kind of like an airy fairy saccharine Mm -hmm. thing. But but when you sort of try to let the Bible teach you what holiness is, then you recognize that holiness is um, heavy and it's... Mm not something that could be defined simply as good the way we normally use the word good absolutely it's just like this real transcendent moment yeah. and
1: um the word that comes to my mind is glory
0: right the kavod the, the heaviness. heaviness yeah so yeah. so you know being in that moment particularly when he um moved from life to eternal life and being in that moment um with of just grief with the people who loved him um, and and being able to be a part of a circle surrounding him and, and praying, surrounding him with love in that moment. Um, I mean, it's just... I mean, I think it is worth trying to articulate, mm. um, but it is really impossible to articulate. And, yeah. and I mean, obviously, if I were God... Hashtag, thank God I'm not God. (laughs) But I mean, if I were God, what I would want would be to spare everyone that pain, but I'm not. And so what we get to do is um, be in that moment and recognize that there is pain and devastation and mystery. Um, And there's also the glory of God. um, And there's also hope. And there's also just love yeah. there in a way that you know when you're going around and living your daily life you don't you know the love is there but it's not it's also i'm gonna be late to work or it's also I'm worried about your homework or I'm you know whatever and yeah. so in those moments what it is is just this pure love that is surfaced by grief and fear and also trust and hope and just mm. everything in the week and sitting with um with family members who I just Are are so mature and so beautiful and just you know anchoring ourselves in the reality that you know for all of us and not dying is not an option right so it's not that we're not going to die Mm -hmm. so so for mature believers to recognize that we that we death is not the end for us but death is a part of our lives and you know there is no resurrection without death and we we know this and yet you know we live in a culture that teaches us to like deny or ignore or I don't know so so having these conversations before death about you know if if God's healing looks like death and resurrection we can accept that and we we can even in our grief and pain know that 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 is God's faithful answer as well and Mm -hmm. and but there's privilege to be able to just a lot and and I was also just really struck that this same weekend, really the same day, um, I went to be part of a rehearsal for a wedding that happened mm. the next day. Um, and so literally moving from this hospital room to a rose garden wow. to, you know, watch two people make these incredibly holy, foolish vows to love each other no matter what and and the main thing I was I could not help but just be astonished at was um, the young woman who was getting married, um, and she and her husband have have had encountered a lot of really significant um, trials and tribulations and tragedies together, and mm. been steadfastly faithful to one another. And so it's just a I mean every wedding day is is beautiful, but but some are just poignant. Mm. Because for a lot of times, I mean, when I got married, the most intense experiences of my life all laid in front of me. But, but uh, you know, but when p- young people get married and when, you know, they've just been blessed enough not to suffer many losses, yeah. some of those vows are theoretical in a different way than mm-hmm. if two people of any age, um, but especially two young people are getting married and they've already endured you know, um, they've already endured loss and they've already endured sickness and they've already, you know, and, and so, um, when the bride came down the aisle on Saturday, um, and just beautiful and we're in this beautiful space, but I mean, she was just weeping. I mean, just weeping because to get to this moment of celebration and joy and to make these promises to one another, it just... It sits differently on this couple. And the main thing I was astonished at was how the sound of love around that hospital bed and how the sound of love mm. at that wedding altar, I mean, it was the same sound. Yeah. I mean, it's the wow. same sound of just this uncontrollable weeping mm. and the weeping that comes from joy and the weeping that comes from sorrow. I don't know. So it's just a really... Um, it's just profoundly holy. And sometimes it's difficult to talk about those moments because you, as pastor, you I mean, you're not there in yourself. You're there um, in some crazy, foolish way, you know, representing the Lord or being used by the Lord. And so
1: there's a certain role
0: and you don't want to and you don't want to talk about it because it's just not about you. But then also, mm-hmm. I just feel like um, on Sunday... We were preaching the last part of our neighboring series and we were talking about um, a passage from Romans 12 about how we neighbor. And one of the things that Paul says in this just kind of litany of just, you know, do this, you know, talking about let your love be real. Like, Mm -hmm. uh, ultimately, this is how we neighbor. We let our love be real. And what does that look like? And among the many things he says is, you know weep with those who weep and laugh with those who laugh or mourn with those who mourn and rejoice with those who rejoice and realizing like that was literally what I had been privileged to do Mm. that weekend but not because I'm special right but just because this is the kind of love that we are called and gifted you know not only just between us and God although that would be more than enough if that was all it was but also between one another, right? And I think part of what I always want to say to people, and it's awkward because it sounds like you're asking them to do your, quote, job, but it's to say, like, you don't have to be a pastor to um, go visit someone when they're in the hospital. Yeah. Um, you don't have to be a pastor to to be part of one another's, like, mm-hmm. most sacred moments. And just what a, what a joy and what a, just a holy life-giving privilege it is to really make space to know one another's stories and to walk into a situation not because you feel like you have some wholly right answer right but just because you think if someone has to go through this at least they don't have to go through it alone right and and that's really what what all of that is and we you know it is I I, I hope I trust that Um, God has called me to this life. And so when you enter into these moments, God is faithful to the other people through you. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and so I trust that and I, and I trust that God is blessing people through our pastoral work. But what I know for sure is just how deeply blessed I am, not in spite of those hard moments, but you know, Mm -hmm. because of them and how much I wish believers would recover yeah. that this isn't a special privilege for pastors. Yeah. This is just the way we're called to neighbor each other, That's to good. love each other, to be the body of Christ. So that is what is astonishing me yeah. and what I'm thinking of, two for one. <laughs>
1: wow. Well, just um, just a quick response. It just reminds me of how the consumer church has just robbed people mm-hmm. of what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. We We've made... Uh, church members, the passive recipients of Mm -hmm. clergy ministry, Mm -hmm. instead of active participants in the ministry of Jesus, in the power of the Spirit. And Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I... I, Well,
0: and that's why I wish we would cover, recover the mm -hmm. language of friendship, right, within the church, because people, I mean,
1: people... Because if you don't, what... Our default is institution.
0: Sure, and also, people would say, like, I don't have a right to be with someone at the moment a loved one dies, um, and maybe most people won't be at the bedside, but, you know, to be with someone in the aftermath of a death or to be filled with really deep, joyful tears when someone gets married, unless I'm a friend, right? We, like, we understand that in a close friend, right? Or it was funny because the bride's sister gave a toast at the wedding, and and I was talking to her afterwards, and she she had she had gotten really choked up and was crying, and she was like, oh, I didn't want to cry, and I was like, but... But you're crying because you love her so much. And this wedding is a day of joyful celebration where we actually make space to articulate what is always true but is often buried or unsaid. So you cried because that's what your love for her looks like. And that's not something to apologize for. That's something to celebrate. But we think the only kind of love like that is reserved to a special category of friendship or a special category of like biological kinship. And what I think jesus is teaching and what paul is teaching is no in the body of christ these kinds of friendships happen between people that the world says y'all shouldn't even know each other much less have common cause with one another much less be that kind of soul friendship and like of course you can't be soul friends with everyone Mm -hmm. but the point is to let jesus lead you into that kind of soul Mm -hmm. friendship with jesus and then with others in your in in the community that Jesus is drawing you to and if we could recover that language of friendship like when I go into those rooms I don't I don't I swear it's not because I know crap about the Bible I mean I don't know any crap about the Bible I only know really
1: what but I'm
0: just saying like it's not because I went to seminary right Thanks
1: for cleaning that up sorry
0: just to be clear the Bible I, I sound sarcastic I mean it the Bible is my favorite I really but I mean it's because of that Holy Spirit gifted friendship sure that Jesus has with me that I try to return. And then this Holy Mm -hmm. Spirit gifted friendship that is created in the space between me and other. I just wish we would cover that. Well, can I point to something
1: else in what you're saying? I mean, you started out by uh, saying, you know, it was really holy. Mm -hmm. And in my mind, that's what our churches have been trying to... Uh, get at in in, in our move to contemporary worship, Mm -hmm. this sense of we're in a holy space, a holy moment with our friends, and it is okay to be emotional, right? Mm. And so it's not about the style. It's not about Mm. um, uh, expression for the sake of emotional expression. It's about recognizing God is in the room now. We are family in Jesus. We get to do this together, and this is sacred, wonderful, beautiful, glorious, and the glory of this moment in worship that we get to do every week just moves us at a very deep level, regardless of the style, whether it's traditional or contemporary. It's the presence of of God and the presence mm -hmm. of of believers that have now become our family.
0: And we would say even... Because I think it's, it is that, but I mean, what people would say, and they'd be right, is like, well, um, you know, God is with me all the time, and I know God's presence on the hiking trail, and whatever. And I mean, and they're not wrong.
1: They're not wrong. God
0: is with us all the time. So I think what happens in that level of, in that worship moment, is the same thing that happens around the hospital bed, is the same thing that happens at the wedding. Everything else gets stripped away, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and we recover our awareness. Mm -hmm. Of the love that is there Mm -hmm. that so often the noise or the anxiety or the fear, you know, clouds, right? Like all those things get stripped away so that in that moment we are aware and experiencing what is holy, what is true, and what is eternal. And so often if we don't stop and intentionally bring ourselves to awareness we live a lie, just like, I mean, just the way we started with your verse about like, whatever is true, whatever is holy, Mm -hmm. right? It's bringing yourself back to awareness of like, oh, this is who I am. Oh, this is the truth. And I just, I lost my focus on it for a minute. Mm -hmm. And so I'm refocusing on that. And I think that's, but it's hard. And it's particularly hard when, you know, things become routine Mm -hmm. to be Mm -hmm. able to say, okay, I, I, I need to you know god give me the gifting of being having eyes to see and ears to hear and just an awareness of your presence because it's like moses and the veil like we put a veil yeah, yeah. between ourselves and that holiness most of the time because otherwise you just can't function, yeah. like it's too well, much.
1: And you're right, there has to be a work of the Spirit. I'm reminded of uh, the two walking with Jesus um, to Emmaus, right, right. It's as they, they were walking with Jesus, but they were kept from recognizing him and it, but when he broke the bread, their eyes were open. And they right. say,
0: we're not our hearts burning within yes. us all the time. And so I think something
1: was happening, mm-hmm. right
0: And the regrets that people have at the moment of death. Is they look back and say, my heart was burning within me for love for this person Mm. the whole time, and I functioned out of something else, Mm. right? Mm. I mean, my heart, I never didn't love you. I just felt like I needed to do do X for you, or I was worried about Y, or whatever. I mean, like, that's the challenge, right? Like, in the morning when we're trying to get our kids to school, and like, we get annoyed is to be able to say, like, it's okay to be annoyed, but also to recognize these are really sacred days mm-hmm. and they are fleeting. And yes. that's not anybody cheating us out of anything. Mm-hmm. Like that's just the part that's of the preciousness. And so being aware, like, like, I mean, whatever, I'll say this and then I'll shut up. But like mm-hmm. what I've been trying to do really intentionally, late, my oldest daughter is in eighth grade.
1: Mm.
0: And so I'm just so aware that, I mean, in five years, wow. she potentially we expect that she will no longer live full-time with us and probably never again and so in the mornings I mean and I didn't do this when she was younger as well but like I'm just trying to say before anything else I want to give her a hug and I want to say good morning which is hard because she's in eighth grade and she doesn't like to get up in the morning. and she di- I mean, like she she makes immature mistakes because she's immature. But I'm trying to be centered in my mature mm-hmm. truth of saying, we can deal with all of that other stuff, but I don't want to lose this opportunity yeah. to walk in love with her. And I don't want to let those other things, which are real, but are a lesser reality, steal from me this moment of mm-hmm. being able to it's hold good. her and say, I love you and look you in the eyes and, mm-hmm. and start with that. Because... Because, you know, the devil is tricky, is wily, yeah, and it's yeah, just easy yeah. to think that that doesn't matter. But, yeah. but the privilege of being, you know, soul friends with Jesus and allowing yeah. Jesus to lead you into soul friendship with other people is you get an opportunity to be at those holy moments and you realize, oh, this life is such a gift. Yeah. And, Okay, I'm done. Oprah, you can call me for Soul Sunday. I can't. <laughs> I need to transition. What are you thinking about?
1: I am thinking about um, healing ministry at Dorita Church. It's been on my mind for years, and um, I'm having this a very slow, very intentional conversation with um, leaders at Dorita Church. And uh, with some of the saints there, um, I can't let go of this idea of having maybe monthly um, healing and wholeness services. But that really scares people. Our congregation uh, merged with a—it's um, the result of a merger uh, with a ARP congregation, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. they explicitly teach. Uh, those miraculous gifts ended with the apostles and the completion of the biblical canon, and a lot of our people have the memory of you know the '60s and '70s charismatic movement, in which people, I mean, frankly, they charismatics at that time could be uh, arrogant, pushy, judgmental, mm-hmm. and so when I bring up things like healing ministry, even though it is in our denominational constitution mm-hmm. in the directory for worship. Uh, if if I were to say before the congregation, you know, God is a healer, they would say, amen, preacher. If I say God is powerful, Jesus is present, the Holy Spirit moves, amen, preacher. God wants us to lay hands on people and pray for them for their wholeness and healing. Mm, Wait, (laughs) stop. Um, And so, uh, well, and what has this in my mind, on my mind even more. Uh, Recently I read an article about the Order of St. Luke. This is a new thing for me, but it was started uh, early 1900s by the Episcopal Church uh, here in the U.S. As a matter of fact, St. Luke's Episcopal Church in San Diego. And it was this group within the Episcopal Church that focused on the charismatic, especially healing ministry. And they are still in existence today. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, they had their annual conference in Florida this past July. And uh, it just reminded me that the the best book on healing ministry that I've read is a book by an Episcopalian of, of all things, uh, Mark Pearson, Christian mm-hmm. Healing. It's really good, very balanced, um, sensibly, you know, Theologically balanced, and so we're just having this conversation at Dorita Church, and I'm, I'm I'm trying to bring them along slowly, um, because we really do have so much sickness and pain, and um, uh, people come to us so wounded, and. We often give off the vibe, and we don't intend to, but our, our vibe is often, "Please come join our church um, to help us save our church." Mm-hmm. It's like, and we're we're trying to turn that around. We have something to offer to mm-hmm. the world, to this okay. community, by the power of the Spirit. And so that that's on my mind. And what's at stake for us? What's at stake for us is walking with the Spirit, living out our faith in a way that's very real, uh, very risky. Mm-hmm. Um, Yet very faithful. Yeah,
0: um, I just think that's so interesting because I mean the reality is that is a clearly I mean that is clearly part of our tradition. It's just a part of a tradition that some of us are not comfortable with. And I'm sorry, I shouldn't even say it's part of. I mean, it is part of our tradition, but it's also just part of the Word of God. Like it's just it's, very matter it's of fact. All Paul over. says, "Let you know, is anyone sick, let the elders lay hands on him and him. I mean, to not. To say that has no relevance for our life together It's to deny
1: what scripture says.
0: Right, which I mean, and we have that battle, right? Mm -hmm. Like you can't just pick and choose what, you know, so (laughs) fair enough, like fair enough for someone who believes in a community where that is open and inclusive and everyone is welcome and as someone who reads... Um, you know, reads the Bible and says, we've been taught a lot of verses about human sexuality, but I don't think that those verses mean what we've been taught that they've mean. But I agree, we can't just throw them away because they're inconvenient for us now, right? I mean, I believe that the entire Bible is inspired and God's revelation and true. And so all of it, I wrestle with, and I can't just say, well, these texts about homosexuality, they never should have ended up here, so I'm going to yeah. ignore them. No, like I, I am stuck with them, right? But on the same token, mm-hmm. people can't say, well, these texts, when we are told, you know, to lay our hands and pray for those who are sick, you know, they're, they're not, I'm throwing them out. You can't. Right. I mean, yes. you're stuck with yes. them. We're, yes. We are, thank the Lord, mm-hmm. stuck, quote, with yes. all of the revelation of stri- yeah. scripture. And the ones that offend us and challenge us are the ones we need to pay most attention to? Yeah. Absolutely. So I'm I'm just reminded this past weekend, I also was um was a big weekend, <laughs> I was sitting with the church at the beginning of their transformation journey. Mm. And to the what you said before, just I was there a few minutes early and they were running a few minutes late. So I heard the section of their retreat before my portion. And they were going around the circle and they were gonna share stories about what made them rooted to this congregation. And they just shared beautiful stories. I mean, just really holy, beautiful stories about the people who had invited them into the church and the way that, um, you know, they had been blessed by the church and um, the way they wanted to give back to the church. Um, But I, I did have to say to them, I mean, I felt compelled to say to them when I was doing my part of the retreat was like, listen, I heard you tell those stories and they were beautiful and they were true but you did not mention Jesus. Wow. None of you. Wow. When you said this is what roots me to the church, mm. nobody said I mm. feel that the Lord has called me here. I fe-, you know, so so you wow. love this church and this church is a gift from God and I, yes. I there's nothing that's not a sin. That's not evil. But but that's at the center of this, yeah. your relationship with this institution. And that is not going to be transformative for mm. the church. I mean, to basically say, just what you said, we love our church, come in and let's keep this church we love alive. Yes. I mean, then A, you're definitely not allowing the Holy Spirit to change. I mean, it's all yeah. about preserving an institution. And frankly, nobody wants to do that. Nobody wants to do that. And there's no guarantee that God could use this institution to help this next generation of believers Mm -hmm. and this. I mean, you know, Mm -hmm. so it's just very interesting to say what is at the center of our faith has to be a living flame relationship with Jesus, or else it is the prettiest, holiest idol. And that's Mm -hmm. harsh language, but it's just true.
1: Yeah. And part of what this conversation is helping me to see going back to the very beginning is that part of the reason why we're having such a hard time uh, by this issue is because for the most part, our congregation, like many congregations, has been made passive, right? Right. So if I showed up in someone's hospital room with some oil and said, can I anoint you and pray for you? Absolutely, all day, every day, they would love that. They have not yet been invited to be ministers, right. just ministered to. Right. And that's the that's the challenge for us. And
0: to say to people, I get it. Mm-hmm. To, to say to the Holy Spirit, are these verses true? Mm-hmm. Show me their reality. Mm-hmm. Show me that they are as true as the other verses that have become mm-hmm. the authentic, you know, is a very risky thing because, A, God might grow us in ways that we don't want to be grown. Thank mm-hmm. you very much. Mm-hmm. And or if you really say, show me if these verses are true, then what if God doesn't? But if you just ignore those verses, then you're safe. Then you're not at risk of losing your faith. You're not at risk of being unfaithful to a deeper call. Like Things just get to stay the way that they are, and the way that they are is working for you. So we just have to allow God, I think all of us, to lead us into the deep end. Absolutely,
1: and I'm included in that. I am so (laughs) included in that. Well, in my leadership... Oh, years gosh. ago, well, maybe not even years ago. My leadership yesterday. Yes, in the recent past, I would have just pushed really hard on this, right? Mm-hmm. In a way that came across as judgmental. What's wrong with you people? And the Holy Spirit is working on me in this and the congregation. And when, I, when, I, when I'm walking with the Spirit... I sense something very beautiful and powerful happening, both in me and in them. And um, I just want to stay in that place and see where the Lord takes us.
0: Yeah, and where my pathology comes out is I wouldn't push people in a way that they would perceive as judgmental because I need everyone to like me all the time. (laughs) But what I would do is just say, fine, I'll do it myself. Mm. And I would do my own dang healing Mm -hmm. ceremony. And Mm. I would plan, not ceremony, but I would plan my own healing worship service. I would you know, get people, certain people who agreed and then I, and then people wouldn't be a part of it and I would be really demoralized and discouraged because mm-hmm. I had done the thing, the outward expression of the yeah. growth without accompanying people mm-hmm. into the vulnerable space of saying, Holy Spirit, if you don't come and yes. grow people in this, then it's mm-hmm. not going to happen. And trusting yes. that, like, it's not like I understand these things because I'm so wise, I'm so holy, I'm so faithful, or I love Jesus more mm-hmm. than anyone else in the room. It's just because... You know, the Lord has been grateful to gracious to lead me on a journey where I couldn't control things, but I don't want to trust the Lord in the same way with other people. Yeah. Um, and so that that's the challenge yeah. for me is just to continue for to live and like I'm not in control. Yeah. And
1: well. I think the place of humility <laughs> the, the spirit has brought me to is to show me my need for both the spirit. And the people.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and before, I would acknowledge, yes, I need the spirit, but these people, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. But now I recognize I need them.
0: Well, because, I mean, and it's so it, crazy. Because this has
1: to be us together. This is not the Pastor Yolando show. It, right. it's It is us together in the power of the spirit.
0: And if we as pastors don't see the value of accompanying people and staying with people as in they're they're in the process of growing. And we are pastors. Like, if we don't get that, then, I mean, it just sounds so stupid. I mean, I'm agreeing with you, right? Like, we go about it in different paths, but mainly, Mm -hmm. we just have this... Pathology of needing to be efficient and needing to be effective and, and needing right. to be productive yes. and perceived in a certain way mm-hmm. instead of realizing, like, well, great, you can need that, but that's not the work. Mm-hmm. And if getting all those boxes ticked off allows you to avoid doing the actual work that you've been called to do, which is to be used by God as a conduit through which other people can grow in faith in the same... And then what's the point of that? It's just... <laughs> Anyway, but sometimes I'm stupid and hopefully, I'm not hopefully, and God is still sufficient. That's right, <laughs> so, yes. What yes. are you
1: preaching yes. about? I'm preaching Philippians chapter 4 <laughs> and I cannot remember the text this morning. Oh, oh yes, now I know. Um Paul is thanking the Philippians for their generosity and their gift to him. And he says, you know, not that I want you to give more, but I just want to thank you, thank the Lord for your generosity. Um, And we come to that place uh, where Paul says, um, I know how to um, uh, be content content in plenty and in want. And then at the end of that, he says, I can do all this through Christ, which strengthens me. Right. And so that's another verse we put on a coffee mug or a Mm T-shirt. And it's like the um, uh, the, the, the Pi verse, you know, when Popeye, uh, eats the, the spinach. Spanish. And gets, right. We think that that means I can do anything I want to in Christ. No, Paul is talking about something very specific here. I can He's, do
0: anything God has called me to do through Christ who strengthens me.
1: So we're going to, uh, focus. I think we're going to focus on, um, I forgot already. (laughs) No, this this idea of money and giving because that's what that whole section is about, and um, that's it. Yeah, I've got to study the text more. Obviously.
0: Yeah, I mean that's interesting because I think a sermon on money and giving is obviously really matters and how Paul asks and thanks and how that's legit. But I just think unpacking and like um, exercising that Philippians four thirteen verse. Mm -hmm. I. Here's irony alert. I really think you might be in trouble if you combine those two big tasks in one sermon. And I really think you might need to do two. I mean, just because 413 is a freaking Christian marketplace industry, right? I've
1: got to set it in its context. Well, sure. Um, and, And I also want to spend some time talking about my context in terms of wealth and abundance. On the one hand, you know, I can see myself as average American Christian, Mm -hmm. uh, and when you see yourself as average American Christian, there's this voice that says, well, um, you need to get more, Mm -hmm. Um, but in a global sense, I am wealthy. Yeah, I'm really wealthy, and I live in abundance, and so how am I going to understand this text in light of my context, Um, and so I'm I'm working on that as well.
0: All right, well, let the record show. I think. Hmm. That you should make you, that two different sermons. Wow. <laughs> I think. Wow. You shouldn't rush through that. I'm stop. I will never say that again. I know. You're welcome.
1: <laughs> so um, what are you preaching?
0: I am starting a new sermon series on the prophet Amos. Um, yes. And Let so,
1: justice roll down. Yes,
0: but not yet. <laughs> but, um, I mean, yes, in life, yes, but not yet in the sermon series. Um, and the first week is on Amos is a prophet, not a nice guy and i'm gonna um pull out a passage from i think it's the seventh chapter where the king tells amos to shut up and amos says you know essentially since you've rejected the lord's prophet you're going to be conquered and you're um i think he says that his children will be slaughtered i know he says his wife will be a prostitute um and it's just this really this is not. This the, is not on anybody's coffee the, mug. The, right?
1: the stuff of bedtime stories.
0: Right, and I think um, you know it's just important to start Amos um, from the context of realizing that he was a deeply despised, mm. unpopular voice mm. in the culture, and to just make people sit with the reality that just because you don't like someone, and just because what they say, say offends you, mm. that does not necessarily mean that they are um, not speaking God's truth. Mm. Um, And and so, Mm. you know, unpacking all of that, um, particularly in this cultural moment, is going to be really interesting. But I think, you know, the main takeaway is, as Christians, we too often believe that our call is to be nice um, and and our call is to be love um, embodied. And love embodied often is not perceived as nice. And I would say just isn't nice. Like love doesn't want to be nice. Love wants to be healing. Love wants to lead people to abundant life. Love wants growth. And in all of those ways, um, love is willing and trust God enough to let people be uncomfortable, to let people be in pain. If that will ultimately lead to life and growth and health, um, love doesn't Enjoy pain. Love doesn't try to inflict pain, but love will not protect people from pain if it keeps them vulnerable and small and imprisoned in um, lies and destruction. So I think it's important um, to start with the prophet, not in this idealized. You know, like I, I think I have, I have a friend, uh, Justin Perry, who's always reminding people that you know now everybody loves martin luther king everybody loves Mm. martin luther king but when he lived people did not love him people Mm -hmm. he was not a national hero he was no i mean not some people did Mm -hmm. but the majority of white people and a significant population of african americans did not like martin luther king jr they did not believe that he was a prophet in his own time Um, and he was not nice
1: did not agree with his way
0: they didn't agree with his way but people did not experience anything he said as nice like the letter to a birmingham jail was not nice Mm -hmm. it was prophetic um and if we want to heed the prophets that god sends into our midst then we need to not need every revelation to be nice Mm. so wow anyway that's the plan we'll see it's a big week. So thank you guys for listening to us. It brings us a lot of joy um, and life to have these conversations. And so if you want to check out our churches, you can find uh, Yolando's church, Derida Presbyterian Church, on um, Podbean. Well, okay. You can find the podcast, the oh. sermon podcast on Podbean. You can <laughs> no. find the church website through Google.
1: I'm so used to you messing that up that I was just ready. That's cool.
0: And if you want to check out The Grove, the website is um, thegrovecharlotte.org And The Grove Sermon Podcast is um, resurrected and alive and current Woo-hoo. on iTunes. Search The Grove Charlotte. And we will talk to you soon.